I finished John finally. I think it took me almost a year and a half. Not maybe not that long. It took about a year. But we went through the book of John, um, like a big chunk of it we went through. And we finished last week. And uh, I was asking the Lord about what to start. You know, should I start another sermon? I like preaching expository sermons, like going through a book. I kind of like it because I, I know what I'm going to preach next, right? Topical sermons are um, not very creative. Uh, you have to be like really creative and and you have to read a lot of books to be like a very topical. And I, I, right now, these days, I'm, I'm reading our business books for my classes in the Bible. And so, um, you know, I, I, I'm asking the Lord, what books should I tackle next? You know, is there something that he wants? I've been asking the Lord, but then um, God kind of spoke to me about this short sermon series that um, I'm going to preach. And it's going it's to be a topical series and it's called Hidden Things, right? Um, challenges and obstacles that we have in our, our walk with Jesus that are covert. You guys know what the word covert is, right? Covert is like undercover, you know, like, you know, like under the, under the cut, like, you know, like hidden things, covert, you know, like covert operations, not out in the open. They're like spies, right? Like James Bond, he goes in secretly, you know, like, and so, um, there's certain things in our lives that you can't really tell off off of the way that people look, right? Somebody might look fine. Somebody might look like, you know, like they, you know, they got it all together, but under the surface, inside, um, the things that they're dealing with, um, there might be things that are keeping them from being closer to God and living an abundant life. And I believe that we all have certain things in our lives that, you know, that aren't out in the open. We don't even know we might be struggling with some of these things, but um, they are there. So, you know, I'm going to talk about, I think we're going to talk about pride today. And then next week, I want to talk about shame also, I want to talk about unforgiveness. These are things that, like, you know, we don't really think about them, but, you know, they can be hidden underneath the surface and it can do a lot of damage. That can be very destructive for a Christian walk. And so today, um, the title of my sermon is called Hidden Pride. And the passage I want to look at is comes from Luke 18. So if you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to Luke 18. Um, I thought I had it up here, but I don't, so I have to... Find it in my Bible. Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Uh, so if you guys are there, say, what's up? What's up? All right. <laughs> I've always wanted to try that. All right. Uh, is, is that right? Luke 18. Oh, I'm on Luke 19. Okay, Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Okay, let's read it. I'll read it out loud. He also told this parable to to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like this, uh, like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like the tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithe of all that I get, but the... But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Okay? So, there's this parable that Jesus taught um, and he, it says that he taught it directly, uh, to the people that really needed it, right? It, it says, 
that that he told it to someone who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt, right? It's like the picture of pride, right? Like the signature picture of what pride looks like. Um, and today I want to talk about pride because pride is a huge hindrance to many Christians and we don't even know it. We don't even know that we're struggling with pride. Um, now, and when I talk about pride, I'm not talking about like, you know, taking pride in a job well done, right? When somebody comes up to me and says, oh, that was a really good sermon, I don't be like, oh, I suck, you know, like, that's called false humility and it really doesn't nobody any good. But, uh, you know, so if you did something good and you feel good about yourself, and it's a good thing, right? Being proud of your children, right? I'm really proud of Ethan and Ezra, right? There's things that they do. You know, Ethan got a Lego uh, package. This Lego thing was going out of business, and they, they got some. Um, and we got, the, you know, Ethan got this Lego thing of uh, Batman and Dr. Freeze, and he put it together all by himself, right? So first of all, he kept on saying, he's like, I can't believe I put it together all by himself because he wanted us to compliment him. But I was really proud of him because he's gotten to a place I don't have to help him, right? When I, when we first did Legos together, it took me, it would take me like like three hours to put a, together this Lego set, and then all he would do was just like sit next to me and just like look at me doing it. But he did it all by himself, and so I'm really proud of him. I'm not. This is not the pride that I'm talking about. You know, we you know taking having a good self image isn't being prideful, right? Even God wants us to have a healthy image of ourselves. Right? He calls us. Righteous, he causes co-heirs with Christ, causes royalty, causes priests, you know. And so, there's there's a different type of pride that that we really want to get to today. Uh, I've been reading a lot of John Maxwell because for some of my classes, and it says we've been studying, because um, we've been studying a lot of his books uh, in in my business classes. Is, I go to a Christian university, and so even the business has a Christian slant to it. And John Maxwell, he says that there are two kinds of pride, both good and bad. Good pride represents our dignity and self-respect, bad pride, is the deadly sin of superiority that reeks of conceit and arrogance, right? And so you guys kind of know the type of pride that I'm talking about, right? This pride that is displayed in this parable that Jesus teaches about this Pharisee. is like, I'm so glad that I'm not like this person. I'm so glad that I'm not like Tiffany, right? She has like blue hair. I don't know what color that is. I don't like colors her hair. You know, it must be, you know, like, like whatever it is. Like, like being like so like self, you know, righteous and self arrogant. That's the kind of pride that we're talking about. Now, the second kind of pride is considered by many theologians as the root of sin, right? It's like the root of what happened to bring about sin into this world. It's, it's very tricky. It's sneaky. And it's the most deceitfulest of all sins. It's hidden, especially for us Christians, because you can be, you can be walking with pride. And have no clue that you're living, have the sin in your life, and you can be doing everything right, going to church, reading your Bible, meditating, you know, doing the quiet times, and still not realize that you're struggling with this in your heart, right? It's because pride is the most deceitful and elusive of all sins. Uh, because pride, it doesn't feel or look like sin, right? Mark 7, verse 20 to 23, it says, What comes out of a person is what defiles him for from within, out of, from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, right? All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. This passage tells us that the sins 
that these sins are part of our nature, right? Of our sinful nature that happened because of the fall. And out of our heart comes this natural disposition for, for just being fallen, right? We, if we were left to our own devices and we didn't have like any kind of moral, like, you know, thing to guide us, we would, you know, definitely be a society that is very like murderous, right? And, but all these, these sins are quite noticeable. Murder! You can tell, like, if, if, you know, like, I go and, and kill somebody, you can all call me a murderer and be like, hey, that guy's a sinner, he's a murderer. It's very noticeable, right? If I was running around doing like, you know, like, sleeping around with all these people and they're gonna be like, oh, that guy's a floozy, he's, you know, like, something's wrong with him. It's very noticeable, right? Like, sexual immorality, like, like, you know, murder, you know, rage and like, you know, evil thoughts. These are things that are very noticeable, right? But but pride doesn't feel or seem this way, right? Pride also actually it, it it has to do with some of the good things in our life. It can be have to do with our talents, our our, our gifts, and so it's like hidden in, in in the cut in in that place where we don't really even understand or realize that we're walking with pride. We can even live a good and righteous life for God and do amazing things for Him while all along are filled with the sin of pride. So it's this hidden, covert thing. perfect example uh, is this Pharisee and the scribes. Like, Jesus uses the harshest language when it comes to talking about the Pharisees, right? He would go to like the worst, like back then, the worst thing that you can be was like a sinner um, or a tax collector, right? You know, tax collectors back then had like one of the worst like reputations in the Jewish culture, right? And, and, and Jesus would have lunch with them and hang out with them and be like, hey, what's up? Come to my house. Or I'm gonna go to your house. Zacchaeus, let's, let's, let's eat at your house today, right? But when it came to the Pharisees and the, the scribes and the, and the religious elites, he would use the harshest language. He would call them a tomb of dead men, brood of vipers, children of the devil, hypocrites. He would use such harsh language to point out their faults. But they were able, like, like they were, they weren't able to hear any of that because, you know, it's not because they were hard of hearing, but the main reason why they couldn't even hear, like Jesus' rebuke or even anything that he was saying was because of their pride, right? They're filled with pride. They saw, they're like, I'm so righteous, right? Do you know, do you know how clean I am? Pharisees would always be like, oh, I'm the cleanest, you know, they're like Jewish culture is all about cleanliness and like, being kosher and being clean, right? And it's like, you know, I've never touched anything dead in my life. I only eat kosher food. I don't like, you know, like eat with like sinners. I don't do all, you know how clean I am. And so it's this culture of just self-righteousness, so much pride that they couldn't even see the Son of God standing right in front of them. Because to them, they were the cream of the crop. They were like the best, right? They're the most righteous. They were doing nothing wrong. But it was a pride that kept them from hearing anything or seeing Jesus Christ. And their pride was never diagnosed. And that's why it's such a dangerous sin. Some of you guys in here are saying like, oh, I can check out because, you know, I don't really struggle with pride. That thought right there is a sign of your pride, right? It, it really is. It's like, oh, I'm not. But it's such a hidden thing in our, th- in, 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 especially in, in the church and within Christianity. Christianity that it's just woven, sometimes woven into the way that churches work, right? Churches, right? It's just woven into the way that Korean churches is all about pride. I remember going to a Korean church and there's so many, it was like, oh, 
you know, like, like, you know, it's false humility and they, they would go to church and like really early and, you know, my mom, I'm not dogging on Korean churches in a way, they're bad, but I, I, I saw the bad part side of Korean churches going up and I would see such, like so much pride and like so much gossiping, you know, and all of that has to do with pride. Pride is one of the most hidden but the most destructive sins that we can be dealing with. And pride is an enabler of other sin. It is a sinful orientation, right? A disposition that gives birth to more sin while it remains hidden. Right? Proverbs 21.4, this is in the NIV, it says, haughty, haughty, you guys, we never, I'm not talking about like haughty with the body, H-O-T-T-I-E, right? Haughty, H-A-U-G-H-T-Y, right? Haughty, we don't use this word much, you know, in, in our modern language, but it means arrogantly superior and disdainful, right? So the, the proverb goes, haughty eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked produce sin, right? So pride actually produces sin in our lives. Let me give you an example, lying, right? Pride can cause us to lie because we're too proud to admit that we're doing something wrong or we have done something wrong. And so instead of facing up to it and repenting and humbling ourselves, we lie. Right? The whole thing of like porn and shame and all that thing in the church, right? The reason why people lie is because of their pride. Right? It's not because they're repentant. It's because, oh, I don't want them to know. I don't, I don't want to break this image that I have. So it causes pride. Pride can keep us in bondage to unforgiveness, right? You know, like I remember during, when our church was going through all this like upheaval back in the days, there's a lot of people going through a lot of unforgiveness, right? And a lot of it had to do is it was this, this pride that we had of like, oh, how dare this person do this to me? Or how dare, you know, it's like, I can't believe they did this to me, right? This is self-focusedness that we can't forgive people because of our pride. Or like a harsh or critical spirit, right? When we judge people harshly with irritation and contempt, right, leading to like, you know, it all comes from our from a place of a pride, hypocrisy. Right? It's it's just basically what pride comes from. You know, people are hypocrites because they're so prideful. Apathy, right? All of these things come from a a pride. It's like an enabler sin that allows all of these other aspects, sinful aspects of our lives, to start to 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 happen. So pride is a very sneaky sin, right? Jonathan Edwards said, Pride is the most hidden secret and deceitful of all sins. Because it's not the sin on the forefront. Pride is like in that hidden area where we can't even tell, right? We think, oh, lust is a sin. I'm not going to do that. Check, right? Stealing is a sin, right? Check, right? Or like, you know, being angry and being like, you know, like all these things, but then nobody would be like, oh, being prideful, right? It's just, it just kind of, just kind of sits there. Pride is like the puppet master pulling the strings of the other sins. For all the, well, all along it remains undetected. That's why pride can be so dangerous. And this is why it's so difficult to overcome in our lives because most of the times we're dealing with the sin that pride enables, right? Lying, right? Oh, I can't lie. I mean, oh, I can't. I can't let people see the side of me, so I'm gonna lie. You know, and, and, and then you feel guilty, and so I'm gonna try my best not to lie, right? So you're dealing with this lie, but you've never really gotten to the root of the pride issue, right? 
or gossip, right? You know, we, we talk about people, we talk about people behind their back, and we're like, oh, I'm not going to gossip again, right? You know, it, it, it all comes from pride. Gossiping is, is, you know, you guys might think like, oh, why is gossiping an, an issue of pride? The thing about gossiping is that we gossip because it strokes our ego. You know, like, the, the reason why people gossip is to make themselves feel better about themselves, right? It kind of strokes our ego. I remember like hearing my mom's friends are all like get together, and these are like elders in the church, Kwanzaanis, right? And, and I'd be over at the house, they'd come over and they were just gossiping, and I'd be like, what? Like talking about each other's sons. And my mom, I saw my mom gossip and my friends, but then my mom became really repentant when I started to like screw up, right? When I started doing drugs and stuff, my mom wasn't gossiping no more. She was just repenting. Like, she's like, oh, Lord, help us. And she would go to people and be like, oh, I need your help. I need you to pray for my son, right? And that's repentance, right? Because she realized my life was like going off the rails. And I, I remember seeing my mom. And my mom, like, I have Korean old, like, 80-year-old grandmas from L.A. contact me all the time, right? Sending me money. And, and they'd be like, oh, I'm so glad that you turned out okay, right? And they're like, oh, I pray for you. Between like 2003 and 2008, every morning we would get together and we pray for you, right? It's because my mom, that pride got broken when she realized that her son was screwing up, right? But then before that, she would gossip all the time. I mean, all of her friends would get together and gossip. It's because it strokes their ego. Oh, my children are better than that lady or... You know, our life is like, you know, like at least, you know, we're better off for, you know, for, and that's what causes us to gossip. Or when I'm mean to Mina, right? When, when I, when I yell at her, when I, when we get into arguments and we're just like, you know, I have a bad tone and I'm just like, ah, da, 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 da. It comes from my pride. It's because I think I'm right. As a matter of fact, I know I'm right, right? And so because I'm right, I have a right to do this. I have a right to raise my voice. I have a right to, to do like, you know, like judge her and say, ha, you're wrong, blah, blah, blah. I guarantee you, most of all marital fights happen because of pride. Right? Josh, you're going to realize this. <laughs> so much of our, our strife happens not because of like, you know, I did it. It's just because of pride. Right? It's, like, it's because I think I'm right or Mia thinks that she's right. And then we get into this thing and it's just me focused. I, I, I. Right? Pride is also very hard to overcome because it can actually coexist with what looks like true humility. Pride hides in the church. You know, like, you know, false humility. And we, we, we go around like, oh, I suck. You know, I do this and I'm such, such a sinner. You know, I'm such a this, right? But all along, inside, we're just, we're just, we're just struggling with pride. The church has an understanding of how, like, how to hump, like, you know, we, 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 we don't really understand what it is to hum, be humble, right? We, we understand what it is to do humble things, but we don't know what it is to be humble. True humility has nothing to do with trying to be humble. And we're going to talk about that later, you know, at the end of my sermon, we're going to talk about humility. That's why it's so hard to see and, and diagnose this in our churches and in our communities. So pride is a very deceptive, sneaky, covert kind of sin. And today, pride continues to be one of the main reasons why we don't hear what God is saying in our lives, right? 
No, we think like, oh, you know, God is speaking to us all the time. God speaks to us all the time, but sometimes what keeps us from hearing Him is pride. Right? For me, I I know is there's times where God's like, hey, I want you to humble yourself and spend some time with me, and I'll tell God, oh, you know how busy I am, God. <laughs> yeah, I've said that to God before. I've said, God, I have so many assignments to do. Oh, well, like you know, I can't I can't spend time with you now. You know, you know, you know, this this is worth like thirty percent of my grade. I go to him, and then uh, and then I, I bring up these excuses, and it's it's because of pride. It keeps us from hearing God. It keeps us from communing with God, because pride is also the first sin, and it's also the sin that God hates. He detests. Adam and Eve. And the fall happened because they lied to the, you know like serpent lied to them, so they eat the fruit, and they're like, all right, and they ate it. Now you think that that's the real first sin, but when we read Genesis carefully, there was a sin that accompanied the disobedience of Adam and Eve, and it was it was pride. Genesis three one it says, now the serpent was more crafty than the, any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall we, you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat, it, eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that... The tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of it its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Uh, and the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they showed so thick leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Right? And so the, 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 the initial sin, right, was pride. It's like, oh, we could be like God. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. And this is exactly what happened with Adam and Eve. Right? Eve didn't eat the fruit just because it was it looked good and she was hungry, or because it was like you know very pretty and alluring to the eyes. She ate it because it was it was desired to make one wise. Like Satan had lied to her, you won't die, but you will be like God. It's pride. We can we can be like God. We can be in charge of our own destiny. Right? We can be God. Right? That's why she ate, and it was pride. It was the original sin. It's the sin that caused Lucifer to fall from heaven. Right? Lucifer, Satan, was an angel. He was the highest of angels, and like one of the most beautiful creation that God had ever made. Right? They said that Lucifer was beautiful. Right? And Isaiah fourteen twelve through fifteen says how. You are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground. You who laid the nations low, said in your heart, I was sent to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. Pride is the original sin. Like the proverb says, it came before the fall. It comes before the fall. Pride is a reason for the fall. Pride is a reason for our sin, our fall, our misery, our war, fighting and strife. It all boils down to, to pride. Um, C.S. Lewis. I don't know if you guys have read a lot of C.S. Lewis, but in Mere Christianity, he writes, 
According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. <clears throat> it was pride, it was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Here's the thing. It's not just him, but it's all, all the theologians, Calvin, Martin Luther, and all of them talk about pride being the root of sin in our lives. That's why God hates pride so much. Proverbs 16.5 Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Right. Haughty eyes, pride, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out eyes, breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Right, murder, not just murder, but murder of innocent people is right up there with pride as a sin that God detests, that he's an abomination. God hates pride because it's the root, it's the reason, the beginning of so much sin. It's the one sin that's going to get, cause so many people to go to hell. Because I believe that we live in a time where the gospel has been preached to like a good chunk of the world, right? And there are things, there's, there's one thing about like hearing the, like not hearing the gospel, right? Those people in like Papua New Guinea and their, you know, tribal people have never heard the gospel before. But there's another thing to have heard the gospel, right? And then reject it in your heart, right? You hear it and you hear it and you reject it and you reject it, right? And that continual refusal of believing in Jesus Christ as Lord is pride. Pride causes people to go to hell. It causes them to humble themselves before Jesus. It's what caused the, the Pharisees. Right? We saw the last temptation of Christ. You know, remember that guy was sold. He's like, ah, what's his name? Barabbas. Right? We want Barabbas. Right? He sold. What caused him to go against Jesus so vehemently was pride. It's going to cause so many people to go to hell because it's that refusal of seeing Jesus as Lord it comes from pride so God opposes the proud God hates pride in us not only that but he opposes the proud meaning he doesn't just hate it but he goes against and he resists us when we are proud and he opposes the proud Right? it's not just like oh, I'm proud and he's going to be like oh that's not good and he leaves us alone he actually actively opposes the proud 1 Peter 5 First uh, Peter 5, 5 through 6, it says, Likewise, you are younger, be subject to the elders, clothe yourself all of, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but give grace to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Right? Pride takes us out of relationship with God, and He makes us His opponents. Right? You know that... that when, when we're in a competition with God and it's us versus God, you know who's going to lose and who's going to win every time? God. Right? But he, he makes us opponents. We, we've been playing like video games with the kids, right? And Ethan always, 
he always wants, you know, to play. We have this thing called Smash Brothers, and it's just a, it's a mashing game, and you fight each other, right, on on, on the video game. And and it, it was Ethan and Ethan and uh, Ezra versus me, right? And we we're playing each other, right? And I let them win, right? I let them win. And so then, they, like, I'll kill myself on purpose, right? So that in the end, they win, right? I, like, all the time, right? And they, they're so happy. They're like, oh, I can't believe I won. We won, right? But then if I actually played, I would destroy them, right? I literally would. I could, like, I could, I could destroy them at will, right? Right? That's the way that God is. If, like, if we're on God's side, it's great. But when we're God's enemies, when, when He opposes us, He will, He will win every time. And it says that when we are prideful, He opposes the proud. And when pride remains in our hearts, He becomes our adversary. As opponents, adversaries of God, we can't hear what He's really saying. We can't really be led by the Spirit because He opposes us, He resists us when we have pride. Proud Christians think they can hear from the Lord all the time, led by the Spirit, but they're deceived. Because God is resisting them and waiting for them to repent and humble themselves. Now the reason why pride remains not dealt with is that it doesn't seem so heinous. It doesn't seem so bad. I struggle with pride. Right now I confess I struggle with pride. That's a real thing. I really do. That's for real. And I confess that to you right now. And none of you guys are really outraged. Right? None of you guys are like, as a kid, I struggle with pride. Well, what if I told you that I've been going to a prostitute every Friday, right? And that I've been cheating on my wife, and that I, like, you know, my life is, like, you know, then you guys probably wouldn't come to church next week, right? You guys are going to find another church. But that's the way that we see pride. We see it as a character flaw. We see it as just something that people struggle with, right? But they're all lust. And adultery, like, oh, those are sins. Pride, it's just, oh, he just, he just needs to work on his character. Pride is so dangerous and so deceptive and destructive, but it's treated like a character flaw rather than a sin. But it's up there with murder and lust and adultery. You know, like, actually, we think that lust and adultery are such like, like, you know, like we think that lust is such a bad sin, right? But lust isn't in, even mentioned in the list of things that God is, hates and is an abomination to. We must turn from our pride, and it starts from seeing pride for what it is. It's a sin. It's a, as a matter of fact, it's one of the worst sins that we can remain in because it's so deceitful and so covert. We have to check our hearts. Brothers and sisters, all of us in here, we really have to check our hearts right? and, 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 and see and root out pride in our hearts. And it's not something that we just do once. It's not like, oh, in, in 2008, I, I dealt with my pride issue. No, pride rises up all the time. And we have to continually go and, 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 and confess and repent and turn to God and say, God, help me to be humble before you. Humble me before you. And it's like, it's a constant thing where we're constantly, like, fighting and resisting and going to God and helping Him and Him helping us to remove pride from our hearts. We as children of God, we must be aware of our pride, identify it and repent and turn from it because the Bible tells us 
what the consequences of it is. God will not be on our side. He opposes the proud. There are and there's also the other side of that verse. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So then what happens when we're proud? We, we miss out on the grace. Right? People that are too proud to believe on Jesus, they don't get grace. You know that? For, for us Christians that do believe in Jesus Christ, right? when we're living with pride, there's this thing called enabling grace, right? You guys have heard of enabling grace? And the Bible talks of it. A lot of the grace that, the, that Paul talks about is talking about the grace to live a righteous life. Right? The, the Second Corinthians 9, 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And when we continue to harbor pride in our hearts, it's going to cut off that grace from our lives. And so many of our breakthroughs, our encounters with God is going to be forfeited because we fail to address this pride issue. Because so, it's so many times it's just hidden. It's hidden in our hearts. It's hidden in that place where we don't we even know it's there. It doesn't feel like sin. I feel bad when I lie. I feel bad. I feel bad when I lust. I don't, I, I don't feel bad when I'm proud because it just feels like I'm just being myself. It's because pride is so tied in with our self-image, with our identity. It's so ingrained into who we are from birth. Because pride doesn't seem like sin, but it's just a preoccupation with myself. But that's what pride is. You can't say pride without I, right? Pride is thinking about ourselves more than anything else. Right? It's inward thinking. And we think like, oh, you know, like, I'm just working on myself, right? But you know how, how deceitful and how, how, how wrong that can be? When, when thinking about ourselves is cutting us off with relationships from the people that God wants us to help and be a blessing to. It's thinking about ourselves higher than we ought to. Higher than others. Ultimately higher than God and His ways. And it comes from being self-focused. It's the worship of self. Pride is the worship of self. When I get down to myself and I'm like, oh, it's all about me, 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 right? That's when we're struggling with pride. Now as a church, as a believer, we have to understand that it's among us, right? Pride is fine out in the world. Pride's actually... Uh, Encouraged out in the world, right? Go and, you know, be a baller, right? Own like two Lamborghinis, do this and that, bling bling, you know, I, I don't know what the, the kids talk about these days, right? It's actually like encouraged out in the world. But in the church, it's hidden. It's in us in the form of spiritual arrogance, right? False humility, gossip, entitlement. We've, entitlement is huge in the church. Like, oh, I deserve this, you know? Do you know what I'm doing for God? Why can't God just do this for me right now? Don't, doesn't He know how much I do for Him? It's, it's there in the form of being judgy towards other. You know, like, oh, I saw that person do this the other day, blah, blah, blah. And this may be the worst way it manifests, but it's, it's an independent attitude towards God. Because God, I don't need you right now. I don't have time for you right now. Don't you know how important this thing in my life is? Right? I went through that. I remember when I first had Ethan, and I remember like, 
Like, I cried a lot back then, but I remember, like, there were times where I was like, oh, God, like, don't you know I have a child? You know, don't you know that it's how important this is for me? When I first got married, I was like, oh, God, I just got married. <laughs> and it keeps us from really being humble before God. we being self-focused, me, what I need, what I'm going through right now. And it's so hidden, right? Do you see the hiddenness and the sneakiness of how pride can come into our hearts? And so as a church, how can we deal with our pride issue? How do we deal with pride? First, we have to identify the that we have pride in our hearts. This is why we have to be vigilant, right? Psalms 139, 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is a continual thing. God, David didn't just think this once, write it down, and he was done with it. He lived a life of continually praying this to God. God, search my heart. I search my heart. Is there, is there anything in my heart that's like, that, that's against you, that's grievous, that's prideful, whatever it is? Come search my heart. And if there's anything in me, alright, come and remove it. And help me to be right with you. It's a continual prayer that we need to have. Soberly looking at ourselves. Paul talks about it like this. For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than you ought to think, but to think him so think with sober judgment. Identifying pride takes deep self-examination. A lot of times we're too busy to do that. And, and, and it's not just us examining ourselves, but it's examining ourselves with God. Allowing Him. Because we're really, really bad about examining our own selves, right? And if I examine myself, I think I'm perfectly fine. Right? I'd be like, oh, I didn't sin yesterday. <laughs> How many of you guys have thought that before? That's one of the stupidest things I've ever thought, right? I remember thinking back when I was young, I'd be like, oh, I, didn't, I don't think I sinned yesterday, right? But it's allowing God to come and examine our hearts. It requires us to surrender to Him. It requires us to say, God, like I need you to come and search me. And allow God and the Holy Spirit into our searching process. And as we allow God to search our hearts, Holy Spirit bring things up. Right? He's going to start to bring things up. If we're really allowing God to, to search our hearts, Holy Spirit will bring things up. Like Caleb, here it is. And I'm going to look at that and be like, ah, I'm going to put that away, God. I don't want to deal with that right now. But really, what it is, is when you allow God to search your heart and He brings something up, it's saying, God, I repent. I repent of this. I'm going to do everything I can to, to, to turn from this. That's what, it, that's what David was praying in Psalm 139. He's saying, search me. If there's anything grievous in me, if there's anything in me that's against you, God, help me, God. Help me to see it so that I can remove it, so that you can remove it. It's being obedient and repenting and allowing God to search your heart. Some of you in here are thinking like, oh, I don't struggle with pride. I, I pray that you would reconsider and allow God to really search your heart. Allow God to say, God, search my heart if there's anything in me. Because you have to understand, pride, it, 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 it's, it can be really everywhere in our psyche and in our hearts, and we really need to be able to root it out. Number two, humble ourselves. 
What does that mean? Does it mean to do humble things? Try to be humble, humble ourselves. How? Think less of ourselves. Think that we suck. Right? Oh, I suck. I'm such a turd, right? How many of you guys have like done something kind of like really embarrassing and you go home and you're like, oh, I'm such a turd, right? I used to do that all the time. I'd be like, oh, I can't believe I said that. Ah. Is that humbling ourselves, right? Oh, I'm scum. Just like having a good self-image isn't pride, thinking less of yourself isn't humility. Now, C.S. Lewis, I've, used, I've quoted him a few times, but he says, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It's the reversal of the inward thinking. And Jesus is the ultimate example of this humility. Philippians 2.3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significantly than yourself, that each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. When Jesus was doing this, he wasn't focused on himself. He wasn't up there like, I'm so great, right? But he was, he was like, God, like forgive them for they do not know what they do, right? He was like, for the joy set before them, he endured the cross. He was thinking about us, he was thinking about humanity. And, and, and humbling ourselves is like that, is not being so self-focused. Focus on me, what I need, my desires, what I, but it's focusing on God and focusing on others. That's where humility is kind of birthed from, right? Is when we take our minds off of ourselves, and first we look to God, right? That's where humility happens. And then God will say, okay, I want you to look to others. And as we forget about ourselves, we find ourselves walking in humility. It's very fleeting. Because as soon as we start to think about the good things that we're doing, right? She's like a butterfly. It flies away, right? And so we humble ourselves. And how do we do that? And my last point is that we focus on God. Look to Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. We were created to worship and exalt and glorify Him. Our, our camera, the camera of our heart is supposed to be focused on Jesus. Or some of us were just taking too many selfies, right? Like that woman, whenever I ride the subway, I always see one girl looking at the phone of her reflection for the whole time that we're on the bus or on the subway, right? I see the girl looking at her. She put it away and she was open the You seen them, right? But that's what we're doing. We're looking we God gave us a camera to look at him, to focus on him. So that when our hearts are focused on him, we have the we're supposed to be what we're called to be, but then we're just looking at ourselves, taking pictures of ourselves. We have to be focused, being God focused. 
We look to Jesus. But we're supposed to set our eyes on Him first, the gospel of what He has done. When we look to Christ and what He has done, the gospel comes alive in us and pride starts to die. Pride dies when we have a genuine encounter with Jesus. You can't have, I'm not, I'm not talking about just like, you know, just like going to church. I'm talking about a genuine encounter with Jesus. Right? When you have a genuine encounter with Jesus, pride dies. Because when we have a genuine encounter with Jesus, we can't help but be humble. We can't help but be humble when we genuinely encounter Him. We're like, oh, Jesus, you really did what you said you were going to do and I really have what I have because of what you did on the cross. And when we come to that realization and we're like, Jesus, you're real and you're with me, you can't help but be humble. And pride is uprooted in us. We need Jesus. And we start to see who we are. Right? We start to see ourselves. Right? Me. Well, that sounds like inward focus. No. Here's the difference. We see ourselves in Christ. In the finished work. We see ourselves through the cross. The pride is uprooted. And we realize we need Jesus. We are supposed to go low, having the right view of Christ and what He has done for us, and it brings us low. We don't try to humble ourselves. We are humbled when we focus on Jesus. And I want to ask you today, what's your focus on? Is your ultimate focus on Jesus and what God has done, or are you focusing more on yourselves? I confess right now, I focus more on myself, and a lot of times... Clarity that I lack is from me thinking about myself so much, what I need. Anxiety comes up because I'm thinking about, oh, how am I going to do that? I need that. How am I going to get there? And all of a sudden, we're just like worrying about me, 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 me. And we don't hear anything what God is saying. I want to ask you today, what's your focus on? Is your focus on Jesus? Or is, is your focus on yourself? Because you can't be humble if you're inward focused. I want to end with this quote. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. We look down at ourselves, at the people below us, but the way that God set things up is for, is for us to look up. We look at God and it positions us to look up at Him. And as we look up at Him, we look up at the people around us. That's humility. And then He picks us up, right? He pulls us up. It's like when my kids, he saw Ezra, right? Come up to Mina. What is he doing when he comes up to Mina? He's, he's always looking up, right? Looking up. That's, that's what God wants from us. He wants us to look up. He doesn't want us to look at ourselves. He doesn't want us to look at others and compare ourselves to others. He wants us to look up. As we look up, we see God. And then we see the people around us in our lives. Remember the passage we started out with. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. 
pride is a false assumption of what we think we are. Humility is knowing who we are and who God thinks we are. And our identity is in Him. What will humble us and help us to push out pride is being Jesus-focused. It's focused on Jesus. And having genuine encounters with Him. Because, like I said, having a genuine encounter with Jesus, there is no way that we're gonna, we're gonna be, have pride in our hearts because as we have genuine encounters with Jesus, we are humbled in His presence. So I wanna close this time today and I wanna, I wanna encourage you guys to be introspective. I want you guys to think about what David was praying in that psalm. It's like, search me, O God. Search my heart. If there's anything grievous, if there's any grievous way in me, Help it to come to the surface, God, so that I can take it and repent and turn from it, God. Search my heart. In order for us to truly diagnose and understand the issue of pride in our lives, we have to be introspective. Not in the way that I was talking about, like being inward focused. We have to allow God to come and examine our hearts. We have to say, God, if what is in me that's that's grieving you, Holy Spirit, what is in me that is grieving you? Convict me. Bring conviction into my heart so that I can repent and I can turn from you. Let's all stand up and let's close our time together. I'll close us in prayer.